All right, thank you guys for joining us again. This is episode four of the Cinephiles Digest podcast. My name is Matt. This is Travis. This is Tom. What have you guys been up to? Well, you know, the usual. Went to a birthday party last night, hanging out, watching movies. How about you? I um, went home this past weekend to visit my family, so drank a lot of beer, watched a lot of TV, smoked a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Salmon? Some salmon, smoked some salmon, some spice actually, got all fucked up on spice. (laughs) Um, No, I just had a couple friends over last night, some family friends, and uh, my uh, parents are friends with this couple, and they have this son who's like 22, 23, I haven't seen him in a couple of years, and he came over, and uh, he brought over an 18-pack of Rolling Rock that he got on sale at 7-Eleven for like nine bucks. Good choice. Could not stop talking about how great of a deal this was. (laughs) Um, He came over at like five. I went to bed at almost midnight, and he was still over, and he had had, like, 16 of the 18 years <laughs> in the pack. <clears throat> I don't know how. And my parents let him drive home. Like, wow. I don't know how they could have let him leave. <laughs> uh, he seemed okay, but I would like if I was still up, I would have been like, dude, just crash on the couch or something. Yeah. He didn't that's... have that far to go, but still, like, if I had 16 beers, I would be like... That's pretty intense. I would probably be comatose, but... I mean, I don't really, it doesn't really matter how long you had to drink 16 beers. If you had 16, that's, there's not really an excuse for like, oh yeah, I'm sober. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he gets it from his dad. His dad likes crushing beers. So I guess it runs in the blood. But That'll happen. That'll yeah. happen. <laughs> I was out with um, some youth as well on town last night. <laughs> 23 year old, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he introduced himself. I'll, I'll change his name for the sake of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, good old American name. We'll call him Cody. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture him already. Yeah. So uh, he says, hey, man, I, I didn't get your name. I told him, oh, I'm Tom. And he said, oh, nice to meet you. I'm, I'm Cody. What do you do? I said, oh, I work at Amazon. He said, oh, okay, AWS. And I said, yeah, yeah, I work at AWS. And uh, I make a couple jokes, and then he just starts loving it and he says man i love you and he's like i didn't get your name though (laughs) so i was like okay it's tom he's like i'm cody what do you do (laughs) i work at amazon oh aws yeah man and then and then he goes do you uh and he touches his nose and he's just (laughs) and i'm like uh no man that that's all you and he's like oh okay no judgment no judgment and i'm just thinking like i should be judging you i'm not worried about your judgment i am judging you right now what was the span of time between him i didn't get your name no more than 10 minutes i swear yeah whole i mean i don't know he was having a hell of a night though well good for him sounds like it (laughs) what about you travis what have you been up to oh just watch movies you know i don't really do much else (laughs) we should note that we're at site b today Mm. so i'm over on uh tom's coffee table just living it up over here (laughs) yeah well you look pretty comfy over there oh yeah this is a pretty good setup it's tom's personal studio (laughs) yes podcast studio just built yeah (laughs) we make do um cool well Let's start things off. We lost a very important figure in the movie industry, movie and television industry. This morning, actually, we're recording on a Sunday. 
Bill Paxton is no longer with us. I heard Rest about in peace. Shame. Yeah, it's a bummer. R.I.P. Buddy. Um, he was in Aliens, Predator Two, Terminator. He's a dude with like the the spiky like blue hair in the Terminator at the beginning. Um, he was in Titanic. Apollo, Apollo 13, I think. He's in that too, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Spy Kids too, I believe. Twister. <laughs> and Twister, of course. Of course, <laughs> Twister. Um, yeah, big loss. Tragic. He was... It's complications from his surgery. It's a bummer. He was only 61. And he just... I don't even... has. So he's in that show Training Day. Do you guys know if that's even started airing yet? I don't, I don't know, know anything about, about it. it. Yeah. Well, I hope his character is not too plays too big of a part because yeah hasn't even aired yet and he's already gone for the sake of the show yeah it must go on it must go on unless it sucks and it doesn't go on <laughs> i wonder if the oscars will have time to uh add him to the tribute list. this is more they oh fuck we gotta get him in here yeah. sure open the slideshow up i don't even remember so does that go from like when the last oscars aired or is it just like Jan- is it like calendar years in memoriam i'm sure they well, i don't remember anybody who who did not make the last list, basically. Right. Yeah, I just wonder if he'll be on this one or if he'll be on the next Someone one. Someone will definitely bring it up. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. People fucking love that guy. Um, yeah, so that was a bummer. Oh, my God. He was in Club Dread. Club? Bill did, Paxton was? Really? Yeah, did you see that with... Uh, it's uh, a, yeah, that's Kurt a Russell, Broken Lizard. Guys, yeah. Kurt Russell's in that, too? Wait, uh, what are wait. you talking about? No, 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 no. <laughs> never mind. I'm thinking of a different, like, swashbuckling pirate movie. But, no, Club Dread is also a classic I was thinking of something else that has Kurt Russell. Okay. We are talking about the comedy. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I used to love that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a bummer. I'm going to miss that guy. Um, and yeah, the Oscars are tonight. Um, we don't really need to talk about them too much, but what do you guys think? La La Land or Moonlight? What do you think is going to be the big uh, the big award? Not necessarily Best Picture winner, but I guess that too. Um, I think La La Land's going to slay. Do you think so? It's nominated for 14 awards, and the record is 11. What do you think mm. the odds are of either breaking or tying Not the good. Return of the King record? You don't think so? <clears throat> I don't think I so. Think they have a shot. Come pretty close, I think. Yeah. Although the acting, the acting awards are probably not. I don't think Emma Stone or Ryan Gosling stand a chance. So I'm that's two of the 14 right there. 10? 10, 10 wins? Yeah. I'm thinking around there. I'm hoping Moonlight wins some stuff. Unless too, they right? throw yeah. some loans to like other movies, Hidden Figures. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be stoked if Arrival wins as much as possible because I love that movie. How but many nominations does that have? I'm not sure. Not that many. Doesn't Maybe like La La Land have like three of the five nominations for best song? Only t- or two. Oh, really? I thought they had three. Uh uh-uh. uh Oh. City of Stars and uh, maybe one other. Oh okay. Yeah. Another perfect day. <laughs> Another day in the sun. Another day in the sun. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll probably miss the start of it, but I'll be watching it. Travis is too cool for the Oscar, so he's not going to bother. But Yep. Got better things to do. He's got Overwatch to play. More movies more to movies watch. More movies to watch, yeah. <laughs> Why watch a show about movies when you can just watch more movies? Fair enough, I guess. <laughs> Hard to argue. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't have anything else. You guys just want to dive right into our Get Out review? Yeah, man. All right. Well, we've got a clip here. Let's take a listen. I even want to tell you. What? I got hypnotized last night. Nigga, get the fuck out of here. 
yo, 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 yeah, yeah, to quit smoking. But it's Rose's mom's a psychiatrist, so. Bruh, I don't care if the bitch is Ayanna Von Zant, okay? She can't fix my motherfucking life. You ain't getting in my head. I know, she called me off guard, right? But it's cool because I'm cured. It worked. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Look, they could have made you do all types of stupid shit. They'd have you fucking barking like a dog. Flying around like you're a fucking pigeon. Looking ridiculous, okay? Or, I don't know if you know this, white people love making people sex slaves and shit. Okay, so Get Out is a new horror movie written and directed by Jordan Peele, half the creative team behind Key and Peele the popular sketch comedy show. Uh, I think you got to start on Mad TV, like uh, Keegan-Michael Key, I think. Yep. Um, plot synopsis for this bad boy reads, a young African-American man visits his Caucasian girlfriend's mysterious family estate. Uh, we'll just do general impressions on this one because I think discussion is going to center a lot around spoilers, and I don't want to ruin anything about this movie. So... Let's keep it general. We'll just talk a couple minutes about what we thought, and then we'll give another spoiler warning before we actually start talking about the spoilers. But what did you guys think? General thoughts. Get out. Travis, you want to kick it off? Yeah. Um, I liked it a lot. Pretty much loved everything about it. Um, I'm sure there's a couple things I could nitpick, but that's not any fun. And um, <laughs> I'll be doing some nitpicking. <laughs> nitpicking. I think this could be like a classic horror movie down the road. And it's probably the best horror movie since It Follows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, It Follows wasn't that long ago, but yeah. It was a couple years ago. I would agree. Yeah. I like that it, it it works as a horror movie, but it's also really funny. Yeah. But humor sporadic. It's mostly specific characters. Like, there's one particular, like, kind of yeah. comic relief right. character who's uh, the main character's buddy. Yeah, um, TSA, TSA agent. agent. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, but just like lots of social commentary, um, the plot takes some not completely unexpected twists, but I didn't know exactly where it was going to go. Um, performances I thought were really good all yeah. around. What's the, uh, the actor's name? Uh, Daniel. Galuya. Yeah. Galuya? He yeah. Was, he was good. He's, he's really good. Yeah. And then, um, Allison Williams is that, that's his girlfriend, right? Uh-huh. She's yeah, from girls. girls. Yep. Um, excuse me. The guy from Billy Madison. I thought he was really good as the dad. Dad, yeah, he was pretty funny, too. <laughs> he was cracking me up. Catherine Keener was good, too. I love her and everything. Yeah, yeah she, she was, was She was really cool, kind of creepy. Like, there was... Very creepy. She's a, uh, a psychiatrist, right? Or yeah, she took, like, her hippie vibe to uh, the dark side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. She became, like, a creepy medical professional. Yeah, she was really good. Um, the... Uh, Allison Williams' brother. Um, what's his What's his jabroni's name? He Caleb. was pretty good. Caleb Landry Jones. Yeah. He was channeling the guys from Funny Games. Oh, for sure. <laughs> definitely got like Michael Pitt vibes from yeah. Funny Games. He was definitely. He for me, he was like a a 20th century version of like the crazy hillbilly, you know, that is like playing the banjo around the fire fire at night that <laughs> might kill you in your sleep you know yeah but he, yeah but also like comes from a background of privilege but he's also totally. just kind of like creepy skeezy he's got like the wispy mustache oh, thing God, yeah, the worst like, stash thin long like red hair and <laughs> yeah he was really he, good he plays a similar role in the last exorcism if you guys have seen that movie i have only once though yeah i don't remember him being in it but oh he's the brother of the the girl who gets 
the exorcism. Okay. Okay. As a wild card. <clears throat> oh yeah, but no, I mean he 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 has the same type of feel in that movie as he does this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty scary <clears throat> at times. I thought it was, the horror elements were done pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, like you said, it's not it's not just horror. There's a lot of elements going on. Um, yeah, I really like the movie. I think I like the first half better than the second half. Um, some of the mystery abates in the second half and then it's not quite as interesting but it's still it's still entertaining it's still good i really liked it yeah it definitely takes a turn toward the end leading up to the climax and then it's a little different but yeah i definitely liked uh the uneasiness that kind of goes through all of it like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of the characters just say some really strange things and also Lots of casual racism and lots of just explicit racism from like the family members of, totally. of Allison Williams. Totally. Um, yeah. Well, I think they handled the whole race thing in a kind of like a playful way. Like they don't cross the line, but they're getting their point across. Yeah, no one's dropping end bombs, and they all seem like good-ish people, you yeah. know, to varying degrees. <clears throat> yeah. So I think one of the things that really worked for me in this film was the way that the comedy was used to sort of. Uh, take some of the edge off of the racism and make it feel more like casual racism, like yep. innocent, um, ignorant comments that aren't meant to offend. Uh, and then it really, because I mean, the character, the main character, feels uncomfortable from the very beginning. But yeah, and they make like, a joke of it at, yeah, at the start of the movie. Totally. <laughs> but the comedy in it, when it's directed at the main character and when it's used as uh, like a tool to sort of put him back at ease and to sort of say okay everything's fine here I thought that that worked really well I didn't dig the comedy that was uh, quite so much that was just for like the audience's sake but um, you didn't like his friend I did like his friend (laughs) I liked his friend his friend was hilarious Raj (laughs) Raj was great when he was talking to his friend but yeah. when you're like following him just as the audience for like an extended period of time, I liked that bit. Well, like when he was trying to do like his own research and coming up with theories, yeah. like bringing it to the, the Jeffrey cops, Dahmer like... conversation. But he was on the phone with Chris on that one. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. And most of the, most of the time when he's in the movie, it is he's talking to Chris. Yeah, but still, yeah, I I, I enjoyed that part of it and. Um, there are a couple issues I have with it. They're mostly nitpicky, um, but we'll get into that in spoilers. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Do you guys have anything, just generally speaking, before we start getting into spoiler territory? No, I want to talk about the spoilers. I'm, it, I'm itching to talk <laughs> about spoilers. Okay, yeah, we can jump into spoilers. Yeah, now. okay. Well, I'll put it in the, the timestamp too. So if you don't, if you haven't seen it yet, spoilers for Get Out are starting now. So, did you guys see the revelation coming at the end as far as, like, the surgical aspect oh. of, like, the white people wanting to, like, they, they exclusively use African-American males? That, well, no, there's also the, the woman, too, that they show, who, yeah. who works as, like, the grounds groundskeeper. I guess she's more of a maid. Just, They're her, well, the other yeah, just groundskeeper. African-Americans in general, though. Um, I don't think I caught it before I saw the, um, the blind guy in his surgery gown. 
you know, when he comes in, when he comes through on the television, he's got that gown on. Oh. And I was like, oh, a surgery. Okay, so I guess the brain. Like, what else would it be? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. thought it was just going to be a lobotomization or or ongoing hypnotism or something. Right, right. Or yeah, the, with the hypnotism thing, I thought she was just going to like make them maybe make them forget and just like train them to be someone else, like you know, like yeah. servants basically. Because right, yeah. all of the Besides the main character, all of the other black characters who have undergone this procedure are very, very white, you know, as far as their demeanor. Totally. And that makes a lot of sense once you get to the end, as far as the conversations. Because he has that moment where uh, uh, his name is Andre. I don't know, like his, before he underwent the procedure, but the guy who's dating that older white woman, Mm -hmm. he's like, it's good to see another brother here. And he just turns around and he's just like, his reaction was just really yeah i don't White know pudding. there was yeah it was very uncanny strange just, was in the air <laughs> the way that they talk to people and it makes sense that like they're very standoffish you know it makes sense once you find out yeah at the end when when i go into movies i try and know as little as possible and i don't really find fun in trying to guess the ending so mm-hmm. i didn't really see it coming but i don't try and you know see it coming so yeah yeah, and we should also talk about the environment that we saw the movie in. So Travis and I saw this together. We got a couple screener passes to see it a few days early, and we saw it at uh, a theater in Columbia City the here in Cinemas. Seattle. Arc Lodge Cinemas. It's an old theater. Um, the the seats aren't aren't great, but it was a it was a packed it was a packed screening, yeah. and it was a very diverse screening. So. People were generally being pretty quiet and respectful through most of it. You know, people would scream, they would laugh, just the kind of stuff that you get in a horror movie. But there would there would be the occasional like comment that someone would make like loudly so that other people could hear them. Yeah. And then toward the end it was just open season. Yeah, like once definitely... it once it became like Chris like one by one kind of killing everybody in that family. Uh-huh. It was just open season, and people oh, totally. were like, once, which was funny. I did enjoy that aspect of the screening, but at the same time, it killed a lot of the horror moments for me mm-hmm. because there was a moment toward the end where he, he gets out of the room where he's, um, where he's like strapped in, mm-hmm. and he is like opening a door, and there was this guy who was like, Don't open that door, bitch! Don't you open that door! <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And then when, um, uh, Chris kills the dad with that, like, uh, the, the, the antlers. antlers. <laughs> yeah. And he, he drops it on the ground, and the guy next to me was like, oh, no, pick that up, bring that with you. Just, like, saying things like yeah. that. Like, ugh, I don't Yeah, know. there was, like, a flip that was switched throughout that screening, and it, it was a little overkill towards the end. Some it, When it was funny, I liked it, but mostly yeah. it was just people saying shit because they were uncomfortable because they were scared, so they would just say, yeah. you know. And there would be people saying, oh, he's going to get him. He's going to get him. You know, stuff like that. So that kind of, I, I love horror movies and I appreciate like, you know, the art of suspense and the fact mm. that I feel like that would have been, some of it would have been pretty tense toward the end. Instead, it was just kind of like a rollicking, like, let's kill Whitey. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's kind of what it turned into. I do think it's end. a movie you want to see with the crowd though. So totally. kind of take, you know, the good with the bad. Yeah. I'm definitely glad that we saw it there. Um, what was it like when you saw it, Tom? Quiet. I saw it at Sundance Cinemas. You know, I had my assigned seat. How <laughs> how 
many people were in there? Because those theaters aren't very big, but was it a packed screening? No, no, it was not at all. Really? Yeah, I was pretty surprised. I mean, it wasn't empty, but I... Oh, I should say, I saw it at 1.40. I saw the matinee. So I see matinees there on the weekends, too, though. Yeah. That, that specific theater, though. But it's, it's a horror. I think a lot of people who want to see a horror film in theaters go a little bit later. Right, and that's true. But also, that specific theater, uh, it's more of, what's the word, like a prestige theater. It's very nice. The mm-hmm. food's good. You can get drinks. It's a very... It's a little bit more expensive. Yeah. The crowd's not as uh, diverse as some other theaters. <laughs> it's a lot of older... Which is funny, considering the, the subject matter of the film. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I have, I have a couple little nitpicky things. Um it's you, it's revealed at the end that Rose basically dates all of these men and yeah. tricks them into coming. Yes, which I thought was 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 cool. That was a, that was a good idea, and I like the dynamic between the two of them because he knows because when she's like looking for the car keys, totally. he knows that she's not actually going to help him. Totally. But the issue that that raises, specifically with the intro scene, where that guy gets abducted. If they are just, like, abducting black people, like what's why? the point of having her, like, seduce these men and bringing them back? Because the, the opening sequence is someone just getting abducted and stuffed into a car. Well, they made it sound like uh, one of the she things that She could just be helping, the, uh, though. Like, they could abduct people, and then also on top of that, yeah. you know, she's having relationships. They made it sound like this is them. once per year, though. The blind guy says, when, in, when he's talking, when he's explaining everything to Chris, he says... Uh, you're like I think you were one of the lucky ones. Sounds like Jeremy, who's the brother character, sounds like his way of of wrangling victims is much less pleasant. So it sounds like it's just the two of them who are responsible for bringing back the victims, and they both have their strategy. Jeremy okay. likes to abduct uh, okay. them, and she likes to seduce them. And I think they add, they try to like fill that out a little bit more by the fact that she keeps the pictures and she mm. hangs them up above her bed afterwards. Speaking of the like pictures, the way they reveal like her, the twist or reveal or whatever of how she's getting the guys, you know, to the house, like they don't do with any dialogue. He just finds a box of pictures and he's just like, Oh my God. And she also <laughs> said, she also, cause you know, as soon as you see the first picture, because yeah. she said earlier, she said explicitly, yeah, I've never dated one. a black yeah. guy before. So he sees his pictures and then he's just like flipping through them. It was a little convenient as far as that like, he right went there in a red straight box. there in a box, opens the box. There's pictures, you know? Yeah. I thought it was handled better than like, adding a scene of like exposition though of you know finding out that information totally yeah yeah that's true um yeah i did i guess i didn't catch the thing about how jeremy also abducts people on his own um because they made it seem like they only do this once per year or yeah. at least that's just how maybe they do it like every month but they always say it's they say it's year. the annual i guess that's gathering. true yeah. and it's obviously not family or at least not all family it's, it's mostly just like associates it seems like yeah the scene that made me like i knew that i really liked this movie was the hypnotism scene the first one the first one it's pretty tense i mean obviously that's like where probably the most uh, the most uh dramatic acting takes place and it's a it's an intense scene but i got chills when she like sets him off and uh 
she says sink into the floor and then it messes with her voice and she sink yeah oh my gosh she was really good in that yeah i mean they were both really good but like god just she she just like an intensity about her she's just like staring at him and the questions get increasingly like personal Mm -hmm. and you're just like what what for the audience too like the 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 rain that she kind of conjures in his mind and then the teacup even though you know that that is the whole trick, like it starts to lull you in, especially with the rain. And at the end, I'm like, I am feeling kind of sleepy. Because <laughs> it's a pretty long scene, too. Yeah. Like it took me like a minute or so. I was like, oh, she's the teacup. She's mm-hmm. doing it constantly. That must be part of it. But then it just kept going and going. And she kept doing the teacup thing. And then I, yeah. when, when she actually like triggered it and sent him into the floor, those sequences are really cool too, where he's like falling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it just, that like, looks really cool visually. Away. It kind of reminds me of something out of like Under the Skin. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. 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 I can see that. Oh, I think I did see that. Yeah. yeah. And I like how they used hypnosis as the device in this movie. Cause like, uh-huh. I don't know too much about hypnosis. I know like the basic gist of it, but like just to have your mind controlled like that by like a flip of a switch totally it's, i mean it's yeah it's horrifying it was very much <laughs> the sense of like those bad dreams that you have where you're trying to run as fast as you can and you just can't yeah you know it's like you're running underwater or something that's i mean i think everyone can relate to that even if they haven't been hypnotized it's very it's very uh unsettling i thought that that was that was awesome yeah um a couple other small nitpicks um it was a really cool scene but when um when he goes outside to smoke the cigarette when they stay the night yeah and the the groundskeeper is just sprinting toward the camera (laughs) that was a really cool scene but like what the fuck was he doing i have no idea he says exercise yeah he says it was just exercise (laughs) yeah that's bullshit yeah yeah they don't explain that like was you know, because you find out who who the groundskeeper actually is. And mm-hmm. He's like, was he trying to fuck with them or what? Right, but it's but it's, it's unclear because he's running. I like that was a cool scene because the way it was filmed, like he's running right at the camera. Yeah, and it's, just, mm-hmm. like, it's really dark, and it, you can kind of see something coming at him, but you don't know exactly what it is until yeah. it gets closer. The way he comes in and out of the shadows, so it's like he's periodically closer and closer and closer. That was, that was really well done. I feel like he should have had a stronger reaction to this man just yeah. sprinting. Cause he didn't really have that much of a reaction. He was just like, what? what yeah. is going on? I would have been like, fuck <laughs> this and gone straight inside. Yeah, like, me too. And then he just like at the last second, just like t- t- changes his trajectory and then keeps running. I wonder if that's kind of in keeping with the theme of Chris being like paralyzed in moments of, of danger or of like uncertainty I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so that was that was a little weird. Um, and then the other thing, it's not quite a Deus Ex Machina, but the part, the fact that the camera flash thing is what yes. saves him in the end. Yes. But there's really no reason why that should have that effect. I don't understand why well, a flash like triggers you, them out. They of... They say that the like the, it's still like a quarter of that of the black person or the original person. So I'm thinking maybe that flash like sets off something in their mind that makes them revert back to like yeah that like, is well, what it, happens it but on, why it works on the first guy but yeah they do set it up which is why I say it's it's not quite a Deus Ex Machina but but still there I don't really see any reason why what I didn't like well okay maybe I'm answering my own question but I didn't understand why he took the photo in the first place because he does it really subtly but I think it's because he recognized the guy yeah doesn't he, he want to take a picture, picture to show his friend. 
Yeah. I, I don't think right. he didn't recognize him until he sent the picture and he was like, wait, I, we, I know that guy. Because he, he has a comment where he, like, afterward, he was just like, I just got this feeling that I knew him. I thought more of him taking the picture was because he was, I mean, I'm going to use this term, but he was, he was, it kind of seemed like he thought that guy was kind of an Uncle Tom. Yeah, you know? totally. And that's why he was trying to take a picture because his getup was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. And he he was like, good to see another brother. And then he talks to him. So I think that was more of why he was trying to get that guy's picture. Mm-hmm. At least that's that's how I interpreted it. So I don't know. That was it was just a little too easy, as far as that camera flash thing being what what saves him. Right. Like they could have done something else to save him at the last moment that wasn't the camera and it would have made uh, it would have been had the exact same effect except we wouldn't be wondering what the camera right or even just write in like a small detail that at least explains maybe how they're like the reason why that might trigger yeah sure that the i guess there did need to be something that that brought the guy who was attacking him out of his out of his state of mind right I i don't have a problem with that it's just the way they handled it, because it's just it just seems kind of arbitrary. Like a camera flash, like why would that? I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's a really nitpicky thing. Like I I love the movie. I thought the humor was really good. I thought the horror elements were really good. And he also he has a really good uh, Jordan Peele has a really good understanding of like horror movie tropes, and he knows when to lean into them for effect, but also when to do a 180. Mm. Like this, the example that I used, I was talking with Travis after we saw the screening, is in that first scene where that guy's walking in that white neighborhood and you have the car. It's almost, it's almost one take, because the camera's yeah. following, you see the car pull up behind him, and it goes by really slow and stops next to him, and he's just like, oh. Okay, and then he keeps walking, and then the car yes. follows him, and he's just like, "What you expect is for him to just keep walking, and the car is following." Him. And then yep. he was just like, "You know what? Fuck this!" And he just turns yeah, around and goes like, the other direction. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not so me. he just knows that that's a trope. You know, someone thinks they're in danger, so they just kind of keep doing what he's doing. Mm. This guy's just like, "Nope, I'm going the other way." You know, mm. little moments like that. Um, he, he's very aware of the fact that he's dealing in like a horror realm, um, which I really appreciated. That opening scene was pretty awesome, though. It was cool. Set the stage. It felt a little like Halloween, a little bit, just the way yeah. it was set up with the trees hanging down, like in front of the sidewalk. The setting too. It just kind of, yeah. you know, Make suburbia, like a, a creepy mm-hmm. neighborhood. Yeah, but in suburbia, and um, it felt. I mean, it felt like a lot of other horror movies as well. Like you could definitely see some influences, like The Shining, a little bit. Like the house is kind of like the hotel, and he said his main influence was The Stepford Wives, which. Totally makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I almost think it has a little like invasion of the body snatchers vibe, not like from like a government stance, but just like just taking over a human's body or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool, and I also liked. What did you guys think of um, the ending where he just killed Rose and the the guy shot himself, and the, you see the the cop lights. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. Because you, you completely because, because you know, like you're They'd like, oh man, he's black and there's two white people dead. Well, and well, they introduced the other police dead. officer, so you thought for sure it was going to be that police officer. Right. I thought that was that was a nice twist because yeah. you definitely are like because I mean a lot of the movie is about like it's social commentary, mm-hmm. so you know like right. He, he, what does this look like? There's bodies on the ground. You yeah. have an African American male. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so what did you guys think about the movie ending? on a punchline like with jokes that was the end of it 
I think that was fitting for what the the tone of the rest of the movie was, especially because everything leading up to that was pretty tense. You yeah. know, once it started going down, like it was pretty graphic. Like mm-hmm. it was pretty, it was pretty tense. And then for it to come full circle and then his buddy just like, you know, I told you so. Like, <laughs> did I not tell you not well, yeah, to go there? It's definitely like, oh yeah, the black guy always dies first. And then it's the two black guys that are the only ones alive at the end. They're like, man, I told you that was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They definitely have a good balance of horror and comedy. It's not something like zombie land or Shaun of the dead. Um, but yeah, I just thought they, played those two elements off perfectly yeah i really like the scene too where where raj takes his his theory to the police and the yes. detective he's talking to is black and she's just like hang on hang on a second he, he, he brings in two other like people of color and he tells the story again and they just start cracking up <laughs> <laughs> yeah you think she brought in the like the brass to hear this story so that they could like really get down to it and then you realize pretty quickly in his story that she's like, no, they're just there to, they're just there to give him shit. Yeah, and she was just like, don't tell me I never do anything for you guys because they were just like losing it. Um, yeah, that was really good. Um, yeah, I saw it all around. I I liked it a lot. It's still at 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, I wonder if it'll stay. I I mean, there, people are talking about this movie. I I hope it it makes a good chunk of money. Um, and I'm excited to see what like Jordan Peele does does next because oh, this definitely. is his first like feature film. Definitely, I'm yeah, very it's curious. Very impressive directorial debut. Well, he yeah he did he write Keanu with Keegan Michael Key? Yeah, he wrote it. They this wrote is that his movie, first right? direct like first thing. First time ever directing, directing and he wrote it himself. I think. Um, like he didn't even direct any like the Key and Peele episodes, but I believe, what Key or Keegan Michael Key? Yeah. So he, I think he directed some of the old episodes, but um, Peele Jordan never did. did any of them. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It it looked really good too, like visually. Mm-hmm. I thought it was done really well. Some cool sequences. Yeah. Um. All right. Some uh, good timing or good time jump scares as well. Which is fun in a packed theater, yeah, for sure. There were people <laughs> screaming in our theater, which is, you know, it's, it's fun. But yeah, I, I want to watch it again by myself or with like one other person. I want to watch it again for well, sure. And I think they did a good job of like dropping hints along the way, and then when they reveal it, they go like full circle. They kind of go back to certain scenes and reconnect it all together, like how the dad is like a neurosurgeon, and like. He's That's the one play who performs part, it right, you know, right down right. the road, but mm-hmm. you don't know that mm-hmm. as you're watching the movie. And one thing I didn't notice this, but I was I was texting my friend Amy earlier today about this movie because she just saw it, and she made an observation about how there's things that happen throughout the movie that you pick up on once you know, like the revelation at the end. And mm-hmm. one of them is that woman who makes that comment when she's talking to Rose and Chris, and she's like, "So is it true what they say?" Oh, and she's yeah. talking about like you know his dick basically (laughs) and then amy basically interpreted that to mean like she was thinking she was gonna try and like if they won her husband could go into his body and she could fuck him yeah Uh, you know her husband would be in there but she'd be fucking this guy Mm -hmm. which i i I didn't remember that yeah when you when you look back and you see all the people who came to the party and the way they they treat him their agenda like the one guy just thought that being black was in in style. It was in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy. I thought that was pretty funny. I think uh, <laughs> one last nitpicky thing was the uh, the blind guy who 
told Chris that he he had a good eye, which is ironic, and they make a joke out of it, and that's fine. But in the end, when he's explaining why he wants Chris of all people, um, he says it's because he wants his eye, and it's just sort of like, I don't know, just the assumption that you get talent along with just the body. I thought that was, I mean, it's just kind of obviously not true. Right, right. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe that, that, that just kind of bothered me. Well, and then another hint along the way was that Andre character, when he gets his picture taken from the main character, mm-hmm. and he lunges at him and says, get out, get out. Like, yeah. You don't really know why he's doing that, but at the end you're just like oh fuck like he was literally telling him to get Warning. out yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and that scene where he where he comes back and he like apologizes to everybody was really good um and then also with uh what is her name georgina the maid yes i think so yeah i believe that was her name she was creepy her performance is really yeah good. it was really good um yes but just how she almost broke a couple times in scenes leading up to the end and then it just makes sense why she did at the end. So I, I loved all those like little moments and I, I bet watching it a second time it would be it would be fun to pick up on all those little things along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Alright. Anything else before we give star ratings? No. Alright. It's gonna be four and a half for me. Yeah, for me too. I was leaning between four and four and a half, but after talking about it. I just I want to watch it again. Yeah, you know? and the, the 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 criticisms I have are are pretty minor, mostly just like yeah. plot things. So yeah. it doesn't really bring it down too much for me. So me too. There's a five banger for me. Five. I I could see this being on my top ten at the end of the year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could I could see it squeezing on there. That was really good. Okay, cool. Well, that was our get out review. Um, let's just dive in and talk about some things we've been watching. We're gonna start with a movie that. Travis and I both saw. It was just posted onto Netflix on Friday, and that is I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Yeah, uh, I've been referring to that as the Macon Blair movie just because that title is way title. too long. Yeah, it's a mouthful. <laughs> Macon Blair, uh, you would recognize him from Jeremy Solnier's movies. So he's in Blue Ruin. He's in Green Room. He's the main character in Blue Ruin, and in Green Room, he's the kind of good guy. He's a bad guy, but he's the one who's kind of helps them at the end. Mm. Um, and he's the one who's kind of like, I don't know. He's almost seems like an administrative assistant. He's always just kind of like going around doing little tasks and trying to make sure everything's going smoothly. Oh, that guy. Yeah. So he's making Blair. So this is his like directorial debut. And it won Sundance last month. Netflix picks up the right to it. Um, it was good. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed it. It was it's a good movie, but it definitely is very similar to Jeremy Solney's work. It's very much like uh, everyday people kind of bumbling through extraordinary situations, very violent situations. Like it's kind of a it's a commentary on basically showing how terrible people are in the world around you. Like um, for example the main character will be checking out at the grocery store and she'll have one item and then someone will just cut her off and who has more items. So she has to wait for them. Yeah. So really just small. There's a bunch of examples of that, like especially at the start of the movie, just to show how fed up she is with the world around her, which kind of plays into the title. Yeah, totally. And this, this just came out. So 
we'll yeah, not, started we'll, streaming we'll not, on the 24th. Yeah, so we're not going to spoil anything, but I just... If it's very similar in structure to Blue Ruin, but it doesn't look as good mm-hmm. visually. It is not nearly as tense no, as Blue Ruin. Not the, as cinematic either. The climax is is really good. I enjoyed the climax of the movie, and shit like spirals out of control pretty quickly. But the the parallels to Blue Ruin are just too similar. Like these people don't know what they're doing, but they're trying to like get their revenge, and you know they just try to be intimidating but they're not very good at it you know like that's all shit that was done in blue ruin yeah i I said this to matt in the car but um it felt kind of like super meets like blue ruin and then there's elements of other movies it definitely leans harder (laughs) into like the social commentary and like the black humor like there's not a ton of of humor in jeremy solonay stuff Mm -hmm. so there's you know moments that are that are pretty funny yeah elijah Elijah wood's pretty good in it he made me like his character a lot it's pretty funny melanie linsky is really good in it too i like her a lot is your main criticism just that it lacked originality or especially because you can draw the direct link between him and jeremy solonay so it just doesn't really feel like he has too much of his own voice i mean i know Jeremy Solnier came out with his movies first and everything, but they've been growing up making movies together for a long time now. Yeah. So, like, they're definitely close buds, but I do agree. It did feel a little too similar to Blue Ruin. Um, but just yeah, the I, subject matter is very similar. Just yeah. every, like, what they're trying to do is mm. very similar to what he has done just in his movies. An you know? uninspired Sundance winner. It was, it was good. I did enjoy it. Um, I'd probably give it, like, a 3.5. I was 4.5. 4.5? Yeah. What? Dude, I, that third act is amazing. Like, it's pretty good, but... I was... Like, my jaw was dropping multiple times watching that. I was just... Like, I, I rarely ever, like, say anything at the TV when I'm watching a movie at home, but I was just <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Is that not just from how <laughs> unexpected the violence is? That doesn't Speaking make it a of, good movie. It's effective. I wouldn't say it, like, gets points just because, like... It's if it got a verbal reaction out of me, yeah. Because it was unexpected. It get it gets points sometimes. Yeah. Drive. A four point five out of five. Oh though? yeah, like the hotel scene in Drive is fucking yeah. crazy. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, Fans oh Labyrinth. Oh my god. Yeah, a little like gratuitous unexpected violence goes a long way. I guess yeah. But yeah, I mean obviously it's and just the, one like, piece. The gore effects were amazing. Like, they're pretty good. That's where all the budget. They're up there with <laughs> like green rooms effects oh okay yeah 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 you, you should watch it Tom. yeah I it's a good it out. i have not i have like no idea what to expect it's it's like 95 minutes it's not too long okay. um i mean you do know what to expect yeah. you've seen green room so. i feel like the first half is a little <laughs> yeah. slow and was a little disappointing because i had some high hopes but like the second half of the movie really picks up and i loved when things started to get going and then when it ends in that house it's that whole sequence was amazing. There are some, there are some very good scenes, yeah. So anyway, that's I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Um, world. Yeah, my my biggest the, <laughs> the the half star knockoff is for the title. <laughs> <laughs> really fucked up. Seeking a friend for the end of the I don't feel. At home. <laughs> well, I so I was listening to the last episode we recorded, and you made a a joke about. Uh, uh, I know what you did last Friday the Thirteenth. Oh yeah. <laughs> Have you ever? There is a movie called Scream. If you know what I did last Friday the Thirteenth. Have you ever seen that movie? 
I saw it when I was a kid. It's uh, like when all those movies were really popular. Yeah. It was another scary movie-esque horror movie spoof. Okay. But that's what it was called. Okay. It's not very good. But Well, it was a home run title. <laughs> um, yeah, so Travis, you watched... A lot Frankly, of too many things. So you gotta get a life, buddy. But you can go ahead and just crank through some man, of your why stuff are you real quick. Drinking with young twenty-somethings. <laughs> yeah, like you us. gotta go out and have some adventures, man. Movies yeah. aren't everything. I've been there, done that. <laughs> My life is over watching movies. Yeah, at this point, yeah, you're over the hill. Well, yeah. I do have a lot of extra free time, I guess I'd say, because I don't really have a commute anymore. I live like five minutes from work, so mm. when you guys are commuting, I'm watching a movie. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was gonna say like you have like a longtime girlfriend, but Tom's married. Yeah, man. True. Although you guys, she is really busy, so you do have a lot of. A I, lot d- of free I do the time, cooking. I guess. No, actually, start, starting <laughs> yeah. to do this show, I've I've realized I watch too many movies. <laughs> and maybe I should play some more video games or uh, maybe watch some TV. Just get out there and live some life, man. Or, just yeah, cut, out some of those, <laughs> cut out some of those below three-star movies. You know, you don't need to well, see them. <laughs> you, you never know until you watch it. Sometimes you I know. did go for a run this morning, though, and I do have... I'm uh, running a half marathon in the middle of March. Oh, cool. So I'm doing nice. some things with my life. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I maintain a job. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just I giving a haircut shit. today, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I went grocery shopping. I'm part of you do. He does get out I'm part of, of civilization. Yeah, wow. We did drive here to Tom's place, yeah. so I'm going to a shitload of concerts this summer. Those fucking twenty dollars Groupons are getting me. Oh yeah, oh. fucking Kings of Leon. Oh yeah, I didn't know that was going a thing. To Incubus. I'm going to Fifty Cent. And You're going Brown. to Jimmy Eat World. Let's be real. <laughs> oh, Incubus gargles my balls. Incubus, Fifty Cent, Kings of Leon, all on the same bill. It's gonna be a no. ranger. <laughs> no, they're all separate. But. <laughs> All right, anyway, so you, you watched a lot of stuff, so you can go first. You can knock some stuff out. Okay, so I watched a plethora of documentaries. <laughs> so I watched uh, Metallica, Some Kind of Monster. Have you never seen that before? No, I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, man. It's really good. Wait. You don't like it? I like it because it's so bad and hilarious and entertaining. It's it's a well-done documentary, yeah. but it's so ridiculous. It's the things that they say. They suck. Those people. Oh, Metallica? Yeah. I love Metallica, but like some of the things that come out of their mouths. It's a little... What's his name? What, the, I'm trying to think of the word for the it. The tongue guy? The tongue guy? Gene yeah. Simmons? That's Gene Simmons. Kiss. Are you talking about oh, the yeah, drummer? Lars <laughs> oh. Ulrich is the drummer. Obviously. I just 80s. mean there's a lot of unintentional comedy, I think. You didn't get that vibe? No, not really. It's it's like renowned. It's like a cult movie for how like much unintentional comedy there is in that movie. None of that. Really? Just the conversations between the band or whatever. Just the things they say. They're like crybabies. Yeah, they are a little (laughs) dramatic with how they're discussing it. But I can kind of see what they're going through because they were like the poster child of metal, Mm -hmm. and then they took a break for a while, and then they had to come back to it. And they have to deal with being Metallica and being that entity, but then also having like actual struggles and problems. Cause like, it's almost like they couldn't get an album together. So they were like struggling, just being creative and getting along. And yeah. And it is, I thought it was cool from that aspect. And some of the conversations, I don't know, like if they were staged or not, they seem pretty real, but like, I mean, shit was getting real between Lars and, uh, what's James Hatfield. James, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, there's the part where uh, Kirk, the, the lead guitarist, is trying to play a guitar solo, and it's really bad. Like, he just <laughs> totally botches it. It sounds terrible. It's just funny watching him try and play no, it. No, I didn't even notice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's good. I, I, it's, yeah. Well, and it's cool because they, so it just came on to Netflix, and they did like a 10-year follow-up where there's like another half-hour documentary of showing like the impact of some kind of monster or like the legacy of it and then like where the band is now and i thought that was pretty cool is so it, i watched both of them is it separate or is it like tacked on it's the separate end of, so on okay. netflix it's it's shown as like almost like a show so it's episode one and two. Oh, they're both and under it, the same like yeah oh, okay that's and cool. so episode one is some kind of monster and episode two is like the half hour you know retrospect on okay huh it. but yeah it's the same guys who did the paradise lost trilogy mm-hmm. have you guys seen I, have, no. I watched those probably about a year ago. Those are pretty good as well. And then um, I watched Out of Print. I watched this last night. It's on Amazon. It's the uh, documentary about the New Beverly Cinema and like revival theaters. So someone who works at New Beverly made this documentary, and it's really not that interesting. Uh, it kind of goes over the stuff that people have already talked about with digital versus film and they do get some interviews out of like Ryan Johnson and like Patton Oswalt does a couple interviews, but they don't get Tarantino at all, which kind of sucks because he's the one who took over that theater. Mm. Do you know anything about the New Beverly Cinema? No. So it used to be like, I think like a porn house, like back in the day. And then it got taken over as a, like a revival cinema by some guy, forget his name. And then he passed away and it was about to get shut down. And then Tarantino, he loved going there when he was younger. So he bought it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, they also have like interviews from like Edgar Wright and they just show it's, it's basically like a place for film fans and it's just trying to shed a light on old movies and just keeping film alive. Yeah. The importance of that. Yeah. It it was okay though. Um, Would not recommend. uh, It's probably not worth, your time like the whole hour and a half but not my time that's for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was worth my time <laughs> mine's not as valuable as your guys is though <laughs> and then i also watched uh gentlemen prefer blondes hmm. it's a 1950s uh marilyn monroe movie directed by howard hawks it was okay um i love the opening credits and then there was a couple good musical numbers um but other than that it was it was all right okay and then I watched the uh, Black Christmas original. Oh, the yeah. The 1974 low-budget slasher movie. Have either of you guys seen that? or I've only seen the remake. Negative. Oh, okay. I remember seeing the remake in theaters back in high school, and I thought it was garbage. I liked it. But Matt said he liked it. The, yeah. The whole, hum- like, the flesh cookies was just, like, <laughs> way too over-the-top yeah, flesh cookies. <laughs> nice. The killer Christmas. makes christmas cookies out of human like, like flesh. you know christmas tree cookie cutters into human flesh and oh, he, like yeah. cooks them up sizzles them so someone you... gets killed i don't know if this is in the first one or not but someone gets killed with an ice skate in the remake oh it's like right takes an ice skate right to the head i've always wanted to see no. that it's... they're both on showtime if you have that i don't okay but i might get it if american gods is going to be on showtime that's starting soon huh i don't know it is yeah. i hope so <laughs> I just finished the book. It starts so in like I'm April, I'm pretty super sure. Super stoked on it. Yeah. But yeah, this was directed by Bob Clark, who also did A Christmas Story. 
which I thought was kind of weird. <laughs> oh, that was like the Christmas one of the most movie. iconic Christmas <laughs> movies. And then he did, I mean, probably the most iconic horror Christmas movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, it mostly takes place over the course of one night in a house. Uh, the killer's pretty creepy, and there's some cool POV shots of him just kind of being like a peeping Tom. Because, well, I don't want to give anything away if you, anyone, or if no one's ever seen it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really good, and now I want to watch the uh, remake and see if it's just as terrible as I remembered it. I was really when I was watching that movie. That when I was I was really into bad horror movies for like the comedy of it. Oh yeah, and I like that, that one. Phase. I like that one in particular. I I like that yeah. one. I watched it with my friend a couple of times. I'm willing. To if give I would like it now, chance. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I'll do a couple more. So I watched uh, Not Quite Hollywood, the documentary about the Australian exploitation movies. Matt's never heard of this, Tom, no? No. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) it's basically just like a collage or montage of all the exploitation movies back, you know, that the the Aussies made in like the 70s, Mm -hmm. 60s, 70s, and 80s, I think. Um, It goes over like four sections. So there's New Wave, there's like a sex romp section, then there's horror thrillers. Sex romp. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just like speaking campy, my language. <laughs> campy movies that revolve around nudity. And then um action movies as well. Uh, it was pretty entertaining, but it just made me want to watch the actual movies. But I, I made a list of all the ones that looked interesting and I'm trying to track them all down. Some of them are like impossible to find, so that's kind of disappointing. Yeah, I bet. Um, but they also get some interviews from like George Miller, which was pretty cool because he was like one of the pioneers of Aussie exploitation movies. And then uh, I think Tarantino played a big part in it and he has a couple interviews in it as well. And then I'll do one more and then I'll switch. <laughs> uh, so I watched The Umbrellas <laughs> of Cherbourg, the oh, yeah. movie that was heavily influential of La La Land. La La Land is definitely more enjoyable um, but this one was actually really good as well. Um, it's a foreign musical, so that might be off-putting to a lot of people. That's pretty tough. Yeah. That's a tough <laughs> pill to swallow. And the whole movie <laughs> is a musical, so every line of dialogue is sung. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. But I thought it was good. I mean, the uh, it's got a tragic love story at the helm of it. They definitely deal with, I would say, a more tragic situation than la la land does Mm. like the uh the guy goes off to war and then she's basically stuck at home and then he's gone for a while and then you don't know if they're gonna stay together or get back together or whatever um but yeah it's it's beautiful to look at um and i would recommend it if you're how old is that movie la la land it's been the 60s i think came out in the 60s i did actually see that it's streaming on vimeo for free and I know it's coming out on Criterion here in a couple months. It's already out on Criterion. Oh, really? They're they're re-releasing it though. Re-releasing? Yeah, it? they're doing like an update. They they do updates. So wait, they already had it on Criterion, and now they're doing a, another version of it. They're just re-releasing it with like updated stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it was already on Criterion. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I actually rented it from the library. I do that from time to time. <laughs> you make your way over to the library. Dude, the Mercer Island Library kills. It's amazing. <laughs> well, yes. only because the only libraries I knew of growing up was like the Kent Library, which is pretty ghetto. Mm-hmm. So comparing that to Mercer Island, Mercer Island's like five star. 
laughter. Five star rating. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to do you should write a Yelp like, review. Homeless people or uh, you know shady characters. Yeah, you know it's, it's kind of tough to get out to Mercer Island for nice. that kind of behavior. It's really nice. <laughs> a lot of other more convenient libraries. Just to a lot around. of <laughs> just a lot of school kids studying. So it's a good atmosphere. Okay, Tom, you want to talk about something you watched? Uh, yeah, I watched the raid at. Y'all's recommendation. Finally. Uh, fucking awesome. Yeah. The raid was such a trip. I uh, Speaking of yelling at the screen, <laughs> there were a couple of scenes where I was like, oh, shit, what did I just see? Because, you know, kind of in the same vein as John Wick, like the, the action is like really fast-paced, and sometimes you don't have enough time to process what you just saw before something else insane happens. And uh, it's been like a week, so I'm, I, I can't really remember any specific sequences of violence that, uh, um, you know, that caught me off guard. But, uh, yeah, that was good. And they get right into it, you know, right oh, from yeah. the very beginning. I, I was having a lot of trouble trying to place the, uh, the, the location because it opens up with someone praying, like, to Mecca. So I was like, you know, and they're... <laughs> They look Asian or like Southeast Asian. So I, I mean, I, re- I think I read that it was in Jakarta, but it took me a little while to figure it out. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know what else to say. It was, it was awesome. Definitely excited for the raid too. I'm glad you liked it. I, I feel like general consensus is that the raid one is better than the raid two. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Travis, but I like the raid two more. Same here. It's uh, a lot more plot heavy. I was going to say, it probably yeah. gets a little more it, intrigue. The Raid 2 feels epic. The Raid 1 is all, it's pretty simple plot, you know, just totally. one location very for the contained. most part. Yeah. Yeah, the Raid 2 is very sprawling, like crime narrative. It's, it's like, much more. It's like the Godfather. Do they yeah. play up the brother thing more in, in the Raid 2? The the good brother, like the hero brother, and then the brother who just rolls with the bad guys? Uh, yeah, I'm I think pretty that's, sure that's, a, that's is a that the cent- main center of the story. Okay, yeah, I was hoping so. I'm I really like that, that, that idea of um, the the villain brother. He just says, you know, this is just where I feel at home. Like this is what works for me. Yeah, I'm good at this. You know, so I enjoy it. I thought that was that was uh, a nice touch. You know, it's like a different kind of villain. Right. You know? So you watch this at home by yourself then? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was it was awesome. It, it probably worked better in a theater, but I'm glad to hear that you still really enjoyed it just by yourself. Yeah, I, I saw both of them by myself. I didn't oh, watch really? either of them in a theater. I saw both of them in the theater. Have you only seen them once? Yep. We should for one of our movie nights. We should watch that because I've only seen them once. I, I like to watch, watch them both. Again. Well, maybe not the same night, but double feature, baby. <laughs> yeah, I Let's thought I was go. gonna be burnt out too because I had just watched John Wick too. So I was like, I don't know if I want another uh, fast-paced action. But then I was like, actually, this is all I want yeah. all the time. <laughs> the second one's like two and a half hours long. Okay. So when you watch that, make sure you're in Gotta the mood in. for for that. But it's totally worth it, though. God <laughs> damn. There's, There's like one scene in particular, uh-huh. the the knife fight. I won't say oh, anything in the more kitchen? than knife fight. Fuck, dude. Yeah, that's okay. It might so be good action sequences, though. Yeah, like yeah, that guy, uh, the crazy, the mad dog character in in the red one. The uh, he's he's one of the villain, the main villains, two henchmen, and uh, he just lives for fighting. He was awesome. 
He was such a good character. Can I ask if you like this more than John Wick? Um, I prefer John Wick, I think. Which one's more impressive? Mm, how so? Action-wise. Mm, I mean, they're kind of two different it's kind of apples and oranges because yeah. one is hand to hand and one is is guns I mean more impressive like the choreography for the rain is I mean I don't know how long on, just, that just must it. take and how much training like it's crazy yeah the best stuff in the John Wick movies is the gun stuff yeah there's hardly any gun play well, it's hard to rain. compare and right gun. the hand to hand stuff in John Wick is, is great too but it doesn't touch the rain no, no. Did either guys know this? Um, he actually wanted to make the Raid 2 as the, the first movie, but he couldn't get enough money for it, so he had to do Raid 1. How to sell to, people on the combat? Yeah. So that's why he. it's a very basic story for the yeah. first one, because he's kind of just showcasing what he can do, okay. and then he got the money for Raid 2, but pretty sure he wants to turn it into a sequel. So the Raid 3 is going to be that He wants to crazy. do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Because it's going to have to be, you know, more extreme than with the raid two, which it's hard to fathom. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for you to watch that, dude. Yeah, I'll probably watch it this week. Um, I also watched Twentieth Century Women, which was really, really good. Yes. I think it probably would have made my top five uh, if I'd seen it when we did our top ten lists. Annette Benning was so good. Greta Gerwig was good. Um, Elle Fanning. Yeah, Elle Fanning was Everyone good. Was good. Everybody Even was the good. Kid. The kid's good too. Um, I loved the way that they kind of brought music into the whole thing you know just like these listening sessions kind of for a little bit of time uh with parents trying to understand the young kids the young kids music but it gives it a really strong sense of time and place mm -hmm. you know with all the cultural references absolutely like black uh black flag and stuff mm -hmm. and it was um you know nothing about it felt stuffy it felt it felt um Modern and contemporary, but the setting, I don't know, I think they did a really good job of making 1979 feel kind of like 2016, you know, like you're dealing with the same kinds of problems. These are generational questions that will never be fully answered. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I really loved it. I thought the casting was great. The, the, it was really funny, really, really heartwarming. So yeah, that was awesome. And then for TV, I finished The Night Manager. Nice. Which was crazy. Last two episodes, stuff starts happening. Yeah, you were worried about like how they were going to be able to tie yeah. everything together in two episodes. But I it was. Panned out. Yeah, well, they just, you know, they packed a lot in in the last couple hours. <laughs> a lot of things happened. And, um, I, and it was a really good watch. Really good watch. I would, I would recommend so it. So you especially. came around on it, eh? Yeah, I mean, I was into it. I was just surprised when I was already at episode... And I think, actually, I think I was at episode three, and I thought I'd watched four episodes, oh. so I still had three episodes left. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there was a little bit of time. Um, and then uh, I have totally fallen off Vikings, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've given up on it, because... I still, you know, I need that guilty pleasure. <laughs> Every once in a while, you just have the hankering to see somebody kill someone else with an axe. Um, I don't know. I think it's just a little bit too predictable. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Thanks for the update on Vikings. Yeah, maybe uh, I overate on it. Vikings. Maybe I, maybe I just didn't pace myself. <laughs> um, okay, well, I watched Rust and Bone. Because I lost the game from the last episode. Bitch. So Tra <laughs> Travis's pick was Rust and Bone. And um, 
Was it a troll pick or was it? Were you happy with it? Oh, it was not a troll pick. It oh, was not actually, as. Wait, can we preface something? Yeah. Okay. So, I come in to work Friday morning. You know, <laughs> stoked to start the day. It's Friday. <laughs> yeah. The first instant message I get is from Matt, and he says, "The rust and bone was just okay. Nice pick, chump." <laughs> yep. He pretty much ruined my Friday and my entire weekend. Hence why I sat at home all weekend and just watched movies. That's why. I consistently ruin his weekends. That's why he's yeah. a homebody. He only watches movies. I bum him out constantly. It was it was a movie that was it's worth watching because of their performances. Yes. If you have two mediocre mediocre actors in those same roles, the movie is very unremarkable. Yes. It. Whoa. Unremarkable. Let me give <laughs> okay, my spiel. Okay, okay. All right. It. It has a nice visual flair to it. There are some scenes that look really cool, so it has an artistry to it that I appreciated. Um, it's very tonally kind of all over the place. Um, I did not like any of the like underground fight stuff where she would like tag along with him and watch him fight from the car and she ends up being his like manager after the other guy has to go away. I just don't buy I forgot that part of the plot. I just really <laughs> did not think they had that great of a chemistry together. Mm. They're both very good independently. So I should I should say it's Marion Cotillard who gives mm. an in- incredible performance. She's like she's a, a paraplegic cuz she gets her legs mangled by an orca cuz she's like yeah. an orca trainer. Um, and then Matthias Schonert is this like kind of scummy, but good hearted, uh, macho. He kind of does the like sensitive macho man thing that Tom Hardy kind of has going on, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so he's like a fighter, but he also works as a security guard. Just lots of odd jobs. And he lives with his sister and he has a kid who I think he didn't realize he had, and he just kind of came into his life because the, the um, mother of the kid gets like put in prison or something. I don't know. Um, but it just didn't really go anywhere, I thought. like I liked the progression of their relationship, little, but it didn't... It's a little stagnant. It didn't really pan out for me. It was worth watching because, I mean, honestly, Marion Cotillard is just yeah. like, an incredible actress, and I'll watch anything she's in. Well, um, it's, uh, it's troll picks from here on out. By the way, I <laughs> you dog sure. my first cool pick. It yeah. was it's a good movie. I don't really have, have that you guys much. Seen to say Muppet Treasure that. Island? <laughs> Fucking love Muppet Treasure Island, dude. Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, good movie. I'm, I'm glad I watched it. I've been wanting to watch it for a long time, but honestly, kind of unremarkable. So was your comment unnecessary then, Matt? Oh, I was definitely trolling you when I said that. Because <laughs> I, was, I was really looking forward to it. And yeah. I didn't really live up to what I had built up in my head, you know? Yeah. It wasn't the tour de force well, you hoped. I haven't exactly. seen it in at least a couple years now, so it's hard to defend it right now. But I did remember really enjoying it. Um, but, yeah, definitely the, the thing to pull away from it is the two lead performances. Totally. Um, I only have one thing left, and it's pretty small. So, Travis, well, actually, you wanna... we could talk about something in a little bit. Well, yeah, I was planning on talking about that too. What, you want to talk about it now? No, let's okay. talk about nah. some some of my movies. <laughs> Keep the listeners in suspense. <laughs> so, um, let's see, a couple more docs here, music docs. I'm just trying to get some history, you know, on what a 
you know, music. He's music. educating himself. Yeah. He's not just wasting his time. You know, yeah. he's trying to. So I watched. I mean, the view. man is at the library. <laughs> <laughs> so Renting I watched, documentaries. Uh, <laughs> I watched Twenty Feet from Stardom, the 2013 documentary. Oh um, yeah, have you seen that? I haven't. No. Oh. It won the Academy or well, Academy Award that year. Over the act best. of killing, which is fucking yeah. insane. Well, I feel like they they yeah, probably threw it at, threw it a bone. They what? They probably threw it a bone. I, I guess because it's it's basically about like backup African American female singers. Dream girls. Um, uh, kind of. I, mean. I don't know. Dream girls is referenced in the movie, <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, for example, the song "Give Me Shelter" by Rolling Stones. Uh-huh. The backup vocals in that is like a, you know, black African American woman, and it just basically shed the spotlight on them because they never really got their spotlight back in the day. And it goes into how they shaped the music of like the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Because sure, you know, the Rolling Stones was the foundation; it was their song, but that added element to it made it, that song that much better. Mm. And it almost argues that like they were like fundamental to the other people's music, which I don't know if I fully agree with. Um, but it even touches on like how black women just have a broader vocal range than like female women. And there was like, a, or <laughs> you mean white, sorry. White women. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll let that slide. Yeah. Except you didn't. <laughs> Anyway. Well, we had to correct it for our listeners. <laughs> it's almost like my uh, feminism <laughs> from episode yeah. three. <laughs> He's a feminist. He kills all the women on campus. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, it tries to make an argument that like black female singers were, they they just have more capabilities than white female singers, which I don't know if I agree with either, but... Mm. It it's was like just a weird argument. To that's make, a tough though. argument to make, considering like the sensitive subject matter of. Yeah, like, I mean, genetics. it doesn't go too far into that, and most of the documentary is them doing like studio recordings in the present, and then it's like Talking Heads. The rest of it, just them talking about their careers and lives over, you know, the last yeah. thirty or forty years. Um, I mainly watched this because I don't. After the Talking Heads documentary, I just IMDb Talking Heads, and there's like. They have like 120 something credits in movies and then this popped up. And so one of the ladies in this documentary was a backup singer for the talking heads. And so they do probably a few minutes on the stop making sense documentary. Funny you mentioned talking heads because their music is in 20th century women. Uh And so I spent like all of Monday and Tuesday listening to the talking heads. You did. Man, this podcast is just every direction, talking heads. Did you listen to our episode two yet of Split? No. Well, no, because you don't listen to our show. I don't listen to You don't believe in that stuff. Okay, but anyways, I became a a Talking Heads fans after episode two. Really? Huge. Huge. The concert documentary, (laughs) Stop Making Sense, is amazing. What's your your favorite album? album, Their live album. Okay. Okay. It's amazing. He's still still digging it. There's nothing better than that. Okay. That's the pinnacle of music, right? It pretty much, like, (laughs) off the top of my head, it's easily climbed into the top five CDs of all time. It's, dude, start to finish, 
Yeah. Oh my god. So Travis came by way of Stop Making Sense. Tom's coming in, 20th Century Women. Mm. I just like punk music, so I've listened to Talking Heads for a long time. Like, Maybe we should change our name to The Talking Heads. We are, after all, just talking heads. Although you can't see our heads. We're, never mind. We should do video. Yeah, we got to take this. We're going to do live video podcast. Tom, you heads have to only. listen to that live talking CD, though. Heads. It is amazing. All right, man. I'll listen to it. Like, the, there's just so much more energy to their songs in the live versions versus their studio versions. Okay. It is very good. I'm excited now. It kills. Okay. So I watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. There was a 99, $0.99 cent rental on Amazon, and I bid on it. This is the second one, right? Yeah. Did you so like the first one? The first one was good. I saw it with Tyler and his sons, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was fun. Action sequences were pretty cool. This one, not so much. Really? Yeah. They uh, should have stayed in the shadows. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so Bebop and Rocksteady, I'll just say, were awful. But Nothing good about them. About. You don't know who Bebop? Bebop and Rocksteady are? Are those Transformers? <laughs> you guys really don't. Do you guys know your turtles? Not really. I thought that there was. Bebop like and Rocksteady is like Michelangelo. The, they're not the one of the turtles. Hog. No, they're the warthog and like the rhinoceros. Oh, like the bad guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought Rocksteady was like a, a record label. No, they actually the developer of the Batman video games. You're talking oh about yeah, Rocksteady. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, turtles. Can't wait for Red Dead too. We gotta get this show going. <laughs> Oscars are on right now. Like the okay. Oscars, I gotta. So that's true. Play music. There was a couple decent action sequences, <laughs> but other than that, it wasn't anything special. Um, and I really don't get what audience this movie is for, because the turtles are all over the place. Like sometimes they act like kids, sometimes they act like teenagers, and sometimes they act like guys in their twenties. And then there's fart jokes. There's Megan Fox like in skimpy clothes. So I don't really know if it's for kids or for... I think what you're getting at is it's for males. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. It wasn't for me, though. That's for sure. (laughs) Male men. (laughs) And then I watched uh, Talahina Sky, the Kings of Leon documentary. Oh, gross. Yeah, that was a... Sister documentary to Talladega Nights. Was that a Chelsea pick? (laughs) That was definitely a Chelsea pick. So we're going to see him this summer, so... Hey, that's a good song, all right? <laughs> no, it's not. But the uh, documentary itself is not very good. Um, it basically spends most of its time talking about like their upbringing and how much of like a religious upbringing they had. Yeah. They grew up in like a podunk town. Wait, oh, did they? Hello. <laughs> yeah, like it's very like white trash. Like the people that they grew up with speak English, but you can't really understand them. (laughs) That's how redneck they are. Uh, But it's not a very interesting documentary. Uh, It doesn't really feel like a story worth telling, and it almost feels like a bonus feature on like a deluxe album. You know what I mean? Like a two-disc special with a 40-minute documentary, but it's 90 minutes long. (laughs) How long? Yeah. Or 90 minutes? minutes? Where did you watch it? At home. Well, I know. Like, <laughs> did you like buy it? Or? The library. Oh. <laughs> it's not streaming. It's at the library. I'm going to skip I, that one. Yeah, you guys should probably both skip it. I watched Gamer. Have either of you seen that? Is that the Gerard Butler movie? No. It is terrible. <laughs> I so already I, knew that. That's why I haven't seen it. 
it's directed by Neville Dean Taylor, the directing duo. And Matt, I know you like to call other directors hacks. These guys are the pinnacle of hacks. I don't know who they are. What have they done? They did Jonah Hex. They did Crank 1 and Crank 2. Dude, I fucking love Crank 1 and Crank okay, 2. Okay, Crank 1 and 2 are good, but this movie is fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the 3D Blu-ray. Oh, why? It was five bucks. It's still, it's five dollars you could have spent on a beer. I know, and I wish I would have. <laughs> It's five dollars you could have thrown in the trash. I'm thinking about it's five dollars you thinking about removing this from my collection. I might, you know, trade it into a store or maybe sell it on eBay. The 3D is actually unwatchable. So I popped it in and it's blurry. Like the entire movie is blurry. I skipped ahead a couple of scenes just to make sure it wasn't the start. Maybe you gotta replace your batteries on your fucking. No, no, 3D no, no. Because I watched the Lego movie right before that, and that was a cream dream. Oh god. Okay. But yeah, 3D's terrible. Had to switch to 2D. Um, there's teabagging and like checkpoints within the first 10 minutes of the movie. That sounds great. No. Checkpoints. It might be fun to watch with a group of people. Alcohol would definitely have to be involved. But it's so bad, I don't know. Do you see a video game franchise coming out of this? No, definitely not. Super meta. It's, but yeah, I mean, it's very trashy. It's all over the place. The camera is just constantly moving, but for no purpose. There's like a 360 during an action sequence. Like the camera literally does a 360, but for no reason. <laughs> it's not like that scene in the Avengers where you do the 360 and everyone's like doing their own thing and it's all choreographed. No, it wasn't that cool. No, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, Michael C. Hall was terrible as the villain. Just way too campy and just doesn't give a good performance. And there's almost like a music video sequence where they um, play to the Bloodhound Gang song. Which one? You the, and me. Yeah, man, man, man. Oh, <laughs> but no. But yeah. it plays out like a Sweat good things. portion of it. And <laughs> it's almost like a music video. But it, yeah, it's it's it was almost unwatchable. And should I keep going here? I only have one thing left. Tom, do you have anything left? Nah, man. So I have one thing to talk about. We I can talk about the thing. Five or six more, but I guess you we gotta can. get moving, buddy. What are we at? Hour and twenty. Oh, we got ten to twenty more minutes. I'll do lightning round the next few. Okay, so we'll do. Is what you want to talk about? What I want to talk about? Or? Well, no, I have a thing separate from. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, go ahead. I'll take a break. Uh, the only other thing I watched, I watched hardly anything between the last time we recorded, but I watched uh, the series premiere of Crashing. The new HBO show with uh, P. Holmes, executive produced by Judd Apatow. Uh, it's pretty good. I know nothing about this. Really? Yeah. yeah, it's the it premiered last weekend. Is this the one that had like there's running on the beach? And... No, no, that's Big Little Lies. Yeah, big Little that's Lies. Big Little Lies. No, this is about a comedian, mm. uh, played by P. Holmes, who is a comedian. Mm. Um, and it's just about his life as a comedian. His he's married and his wife cheats on him, and then he like goes to this comedy club to get out of the house. And someone makes this comment about how you need to get on stage and like work through your your suffering and turn into comedy. So he goes on stage and is just completely tanks. <laughs> um, and Artie Lang is in the show. He's kind of like a mentor to Pete Holmes. Um, it was it was pretty funny. It's got some awkward comedy, um, some really good dialogue. I've only seen the first episode, but it's good. Okay, I enjoyed it. I would recommend getting on board. Yeah, the second episodes it. tonight, I think. 
Yeah, uh, HBO's doing this thing where you can stream episodes early. Like, they did that for girls and... They only did that this wise. weekend because of the Oscars. Oh, uh, okay. They put them up on Friday, yeah. So I think I you, that, that episode's up already. Yeah. But, yeah. That's all I have to say about that. It's good. All right, I'll do a couple more. So I watched The Last Kiss. Uh, has Zach Braff, Rachel Bilson, Casey Affleck in it. Have you guys heard of this? Mm-mm. Came out probably 10 years ago or so. I remember liking it back when I watched it back then, but it's pretty terrible now. It was written by, <laughs> <laughs> it's written by Paul Haggis. I didn't realize. Oh, really? Yeah. But bad acting, bad characters. Never really been a huge fan of Zach Braff. Um, the conversations feel very exposition-y. Like, they don't feel like conversations that normal people would have. And I can really appreciate when movies don't do that (laughs) and it's the whole point of it was basically um like men tying the knot and having difficulties doing that and i thought that would might touch close to home but i don't know just (laughs) it didn't really get its point across for me and so travis was hoping to get some answers i need to work out some things that just didn't do it for me gotta watch the uh lost the paul haggis classic the last kiss okay I watched Only Lovers Left Alive. Is that a first-time watch? First-time watch. Nice. First, first Jim Jarmusch experience. Like ever? Ever. Oh. And? And has an all-star cast. Yeah. Tilda Swinton, Tom Hiddleston, and the late Anton Yelchin and the late John Hurt. Mm-hmm. Who's the, the younger female vampire? Mia... Or, Mia Wasikowski? Yeah. yeah. I, I can't pronounce her name, so that's why I left her off the list. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your traditional vampire movie. Um, a lot of it's just them hanging out, listening to music. Um, they don't it's really more of any... a romance than a, than a vampire movie, almost. Yeah. They don't really have much to do. You know, they've been just living on the earth for hundreds of years. <laughs> they uh, refer to humans as zombies, and they believe their blood is contaminated because basically the world around them is crumbling and just kind of sucks so they have to score that pure typo negative from (laughs) medical facilities uh it's beautifully shot it's got some good music in it i did love the ending of it thought that was perfect Mm -hmm. and i love the scenes of them driving around at night i can understand why uh or understand now why jeff nichols wanted to make a movie sent around people driving around at night because it looks fucking cool it does look very (laughs) cool I'm referring to Midnight Special for the audience. Uh, and maybe Tom. It yeah. did look cool. <laughs> did and they I, wear night vision goggles while they were driving around? They did not. Which, but they're vampires. Was yeah. It's almost as cool. It's a misstep. <laughs> I watched Train Spotting. That's a rewatch. I need to watch Getting that. prepared for T2 Train Spotting. That's and, pretty soon, right? Yeah. I think it comes out in the next month or so. Yeah. Uh, I like this movie quite a bit. Um, It's full of fun characters and it takes like a heroin addiction and makes it fun and entertaining. (laughs) Um, The movie's very colorful. I noticed that it's, there's almost like every color of the rainbow in the majority of its shots. Uh, It's got some trippy visuals. Do you guys, have you, you haven't seen it, Tom, but you have Matt a long time ago. You like it? Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, I think Danny Boyle is one of the most interesting directors working today just because he's dabbled in so many genres 
and they're all pretty good for the most part. It's a very stylish director. Yeah. And moving right along here. <laughs> okay, a couple more. These are new releases, so this is exciting. Okay. <laughs> Bring it on. So I watched the Lego seat. Batman movie. Whoa. Which is not as good as the Lego movie, unfortunately. Is it as good as Batman? No. Well, which one? <laughs> which one? <laughs> uh, Batman and Robin. Batman Begins. No, definitely not. It doesn't touch the Nolan trilogy. But yeah, I the main thing I hated about this Bummer. movie was the humor, which people are enjoying. I yeah. hated pretty much 90% of it. The first five or ten minutes, I was just sitting there with my arms folded, kind of annoyed. <laughs> just that a Scrooge. I was sitting there watching this movie. Just a young Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> well, the comedy is its all about Batman being cocky and just like self-aware of himself and the genre and that sounds hilarious they even make jokes about like the <laughs> opening title sequences and like every good movie starts out with a black screen and every good movie ends with a white screen like he, they're basically just telling you what's happening and it's supposed to be funny but it's not at least for me um, but it's definitely not as fun or as inventive as the lego movie they even use some of the same jokes and plot devices with plot devices which i found a little annoying <laughs> it was cool to see all the batman villains in the same movie oh nice and i almost don't want to spoil this but i feel like you'd only appreciate it if you were a fan of the podcast so can i do it you guys care well, i don't, I don't think the lift it's not really a spoiler sure so then yes doug benson from doug loves movies yeah. have you guys ever listened to that yeah so have you ever heard his bane voice yeah so he's bane and this movie. Is he really? Uh, yeah, which is amazing. <laughs> like, that's my favorite part. <laughs> and he does it just like he does on the show. His Bane's pretty good. It cracks yeah, me up. It's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks really good. Like, I think both these, the Lego movie and the Lego Batman movie, just look cool visually. And the movie felt a little long, like other superhero movies where there's like two or three endings and I don't know if they were trying to play that off as a joke. If it was a joke, it didn't work for me, but yeah, they were, I mean, they tried to save the world at least two or three times and I was ready for it to end. And then I watched a cure for wellness. Oh, I didn't realize you had seen that. Wow. Yeah. So it's not on the level of the shining or shutter Island. If you guys were curious, people were comparing it to that and it doesn't even come close. Really? <laughs> uh, the movie crosses the line with some of its sexuality. It gets a little rapey and a little incestual at times. And I wasn't really digging that. <laughs> <laughs> but like in a way that isn't done well. Right, I mean, yeah. It, he had a boner before and then went away <laughs> once they got into the incest. <laughs> it's kind of a boner killer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the performances, nothing really that stood out. Dane DeHaan cannot carry a movie. Uh, I do like him in some of his other roles, though. So, like, was the story just kind of... Did it fall flat or was it unbelievable? Well, no, I mean, it's believable, but this movie definitely, like, spoon-feeds you. So uh, the main character basically tells you everything towards the end of the movie. Okay. And then after that, the movie just goes off the fucking rails. <laughs> where you're just like, what is even going on? And it's... 
I don't know, it's kind of unrealistic at times. And it was, it felt very long. It's very bloated. I feel like some of the scenes could be cut down. And I mean, some of it was cool visually, but for the most part, I was just waiting to get out of that theater. (laughs) (laughs) Bummer. Yeah. Matt, I I could see you going either way on it. I still want to watch it. I'll probably wait until it comes out. I'll redbox it or something. The preview looked cool. Yeah, I was excited for it. And then the reviews came out and I was like, ugh. But I still wanted to see it. Now I'll I'll probably wait because there's a lot of stuff coming out soon. One more thing. TV. I've got some TV for you guys. All right. I started watching The New Yorker on Amazon. You guys know what that's about? Is it about The New Yorker, the magazine? Yeah. Well, kind of. So it's about Seinfeld. It's like a variety show. It's like an episodic it? show <laughs> that, well, it shows like random segments of certain things. So there's like short docs, there's short films, there's cartoons, there's, you know, various things that make up the whole episode. So it's good to watch in chunks. I watch this on my lunch break, so I can stop it if I don't get through the full episode. Right. Um, but yeah, the it's pretty cool and they got some good people working on it like um andrew garfield reads a poem in one of the episodes uh paul giamatti's in a short film in episode one about like some historical figure who drank 53 cups of coffee a day and like what his thoughts might have been at the time i forget the historical figure but um it's played as comedy and it's pretty funny and then um steve james did a documentary as well he did uh Hoop Dreams. Mm-hmm. So he uh, did a documentary about these two kids who compete in like bull riding. And like the third episode has a documentary about frogs by Jonathan Demi. So it's got some good people working behind it. And I would recommend it if you're, you know, into various things like poems, <laughs> short films. Uh, I'm just going to watch Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, it's perfect to watch in chunks, so that's mainly why I started watching it, and then it's cool that they actually have some big talent working with them as well, so I think I'm on, like, episode six or seven right now, and then I plan on finishing that in the next week or so. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that we've been teasing that we were going to talk about is I host uh, movie nights from time to time because I have a theater room in my apartment complex that's pretty sweet. And I decided to do a screening of Mulholland Drive. And this was a first-time watch for Travis. And most of the people who were there, there were like six of us total, and only myself and my friend Paris had seen it before. So it was mostly first-time watches for people. Mm What did you think of Mulholland Drive? I don't really know. Even still? You didn't read up on it afterward like you said you would? I read up on it, and (laughs) I liked it more. But I don't know. I feel like with these mindfuck movies that are kind of nonsensical in a way like there's only so much you can take away especially the first time yeah yeah like, that's true you have you definitely enjoy it more as you read up on it like i felt the same way about enemy which i talked about on the last episode I know. and um same with like a that was the last movie screen you have yeah. and i felt the same kind of way so um, no, <laughs> I do like no. how it feels kind of like an epic horror movie, like The Shining. I mean, it doesn't feel like The Shining, but that it's that long and like it's very creepy at times and kind of goes off the rails towards the end. I mean, not in a bad way, like A Cure for Wellness, but yeah, it, <laughs> shit it's gets great. cray. Movie goes some places for sure. Um, you can read the movie a few different ways. 
Um, but, you know, I can't really articulate those. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Honestly, I think I saw it a couple of years ago, and I don't remember it very well. I remember thinking, oh, David Lynch. Yeah, it's, it's hitting me pretty hard right now. And I remember, like, being uh, interested and engaged the whole time. But at the end of it, I really did not know what to think. Maybe how to make heads or tails of it, man. Yeah, it's hard to actually decide whether or not you liked something if you can't make heads or tails of it. But right. I guess the fact that I was still interested at the end, despite my confusion, means that I liked it. Like, when I watch movies, I want it to make at least some sense. And, like, entertainment plays a big part of movie watching for me. I know people love these types of movies where there's multiple themes and you can just read or dig up on theories, you know, for hours. But for me, like, I want to at least get something out of watching a movie. And I don't know if I really got anything watching Mulholland Drive other than, like, confusion. (laughs) If that's a good thing. Yeah, that's that's fair, I guess. Uh, the first time I saw it, I couldn't make heads or tails of it, but yeah. I definitely had a positive reaction oh, to you it. you creamed. I've seen it like four or five <laughs> times now, and it's like legitimately one of my favorite movies now. Like I, I was saying top five. It might be, because I have, it might be, it might have edged its way into the top five. Man, I guess I need to give it a rewatch. Not it's, that I didn't like it. I mean, I, I, like I said, I think I did. But. but Matt, you love these types of movies. Yeah, I do. You love Enemy... You love 2001, not saying it's the same type of movie. 2001 is the best. Mm-hmm. It is really good. Mm-hmm. It would probably be in a top 20 or 25 of mine. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what to say about it. Well, cool. You should watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, is that it for all we've been watching? Yeah. All right, well, yeah. we're going to wrap things up here with another installment of this uh Rotten Tomatoes game we've been playing. So if you did not listen to the last episode, basically how it works is we're going to take turns. So there's three of us. So one person gets to pick a movie that they want the other two to watch. It could be just something that you think is really good and you want them to see, or as Travis refers to Mm -hmm. as a troll pick, something terrible that you just want to make the other person watch. So the last episode was Travis's pick, and he picked Rust and Bone. And the way the game works is the other two hosts have to try and guess the Rotten Tomato critic score for that movie. And whoever comes closest wins. The other person has to watch the movie. So the goal is to try and get as close as you can to the Rotten Tomato score. And who's had the most wins so far, Matt? The most wins? Yeah. There's been That would be Tom. (laughs) He's uh, one for one so far. Have we only done it one time? Yes. Wow. Last episode was the only time we've done it. Yeah, I thought we'd done it more times. So we're going to play the game another time, and it's my pick this time because I lost. I had to watch Rust and Bone. So I'm picking the movie this time. And the movie that I picked is Seven Psychopaths with uh, Colin Farrell... Christopher Walken, Sam Rockwell. I love this movie. It has one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in my life. Um, So that's going to be my pick. So I know what the score is. Before we started recording, I had Tom and Travis write down their prediction on a piece of paper, and I have not looked at the piece of paper yet. So I'm going to be reading those momentarily. 
But I'm going to try and kill another 20 seconds or so while Travis finishes peeing. Mm -hmm. So um, I saw Seven Psychopaths in the theater when I was... I was actually working at a theater when I saw this movie. Um, so I saw When did it come out? 2012, I think. Okay. Um, and it's really good. It's the same writer and director who did In Bruges. Yeah, I'm not going to be mad if I... Well, I might be a little bit disappointed. You'll... You'll like this movie. I think you'll both like this movie. So yeah, this has been something I've been wanting to watch for a while now. So welcome I back, Travis. Hope I lose. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for filling the air, guys. I really had to piss. No, you're These good. These are just flowing through me. All right. Well, so I know the score we're looking for here. Okay. I'm gonna read these pieces of paper one by one. Okay. Yeah. Sorry for butchering it last episode. I just went. I just got really excited <laughs> to announce Tom as the winner. So you botched it a little bit last. Probably time, didn't make for okay. riveting podcasting but you know not that this is probably that riveting either but we're gonna do it we're all on pins and needles <laughs> all right so i have tom's official answer here he went with 78 percent. Oh, that is a winner you're fucked that's a winner 78 percent. i hope you're fucked travis went with 87 percent Ooh, that seems kind of high do you know who we're dealing with here you were mad. The winner. The director. <laughs> the winner who was 1% closer to the correct answer. Oh, fuck me. The winner is Tom. Oh, my That's God. right. That's right. What is the official? 82%. So Tra or, uh, Travis said 87. God damn Tom it. Tom said 78. So you were talking some shit, buddy. And uh, you lose. I guess so. So fuck. you get to watch Seven Psychopaths. So that's the but silver lining. I lost by a percent. It was, that was very close. Right. That was very close. That's fine. So, yeah, you're going to be watching Seven Psychopaths. I don't know if I can fit it in my schedule, guys. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> packed wall to wall with uh, Kings of Leon documentaries and fucking Ninja Turtles. Good luck fitting it in. Um, well, so Travis will be uh, reporting back with his thoughts on Seven Psychopaths next time. Um, I might watch it, too, just for fun, not because I have to. I think to. it's true. It is really good. I'll let you Amazon. borrow it if you want to watch it. Once you're done with the shit that Travis let you borrow. What would you say, Travis? I think it might be streaming, too. I was going to say, it might be streaming. I don't know if it, it is anymore. Be, Magnificent the, 7 Regardless, though, I want the Blu-ray. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it was on <laughs> Netflix for a time. I don't okay. know if it still is. Um, well, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, you can go to our website, cinephilesdigest.com, for links to the episodes. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher, whatever you use for your podcasting needs. You should be able to find us there. You can follow me on Twitter, at Matt Sobreros. Sobreros spelled C-E-B-R-E-R-O-S. And you can find me on Letterboxd, at Matt Sombrero. Um, Travis, you want to plug uh, where we can find you? No, not really. You guys can listen to episodes one or two <laughs> or three. <laughs> Ouch. You guys can follow me on the streets. You know, on my walks. But I will encourage Pumping listeners to maybe send in an email. Yeah, I don't you know can. If anyone else out there listening? If you are, <laughs> I forgot send, to check. Send a question uh, <laughs> in our way. We're, we're dying for content. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we'll answer your questions. Give us some material if you want to ask us uh, what our favorite Rob Schneider movie is or something. Feel free to write in. We're happy to talk about it. But the email address is cinephilesdigest at gmail.com. Jesus. <laughs> it's been a long weekend. Dot com. Cinephilesdigest at gmail.com. That's going to do it Jot for episode down. four. 
Yeah, I'll break that down so you don't have to say it every episode. But I was so low. That's my duty as the host. So You're doing great. Thank you guys for joining us. That's going to do it for episode four. Uh, we haven't talked about what we're reviewing next episode. We're, we're going to review Kong Island. Kong Skull Island. Island. Does it come yeah. out that weekend? It comes out March 10th. And we're, we're going to record the Ooh. weekend of the 11th, yeah. 12th. Yeah. Well, Watch that. Logan comes out next weekend, so I'm, I'm planning on seeing Logan. For sure. So we should at least be able to talk about Logan, but yeah. sounds like Kong Skull Island. I'm cool with that being the feature review. It's going to be the best movie of the year, so we probably should review it. I will suck your dick if it's the best movie of the year. It's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> not According happen. to who, though? <laughs> Me. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> Yeah, I guess I would still lie if it was yeah. the best <laughs> Anyway, I am looking forward to it. We'll see. Thank you guys for listening. That's going to do it this episode. Tune in next time. And y'all have a good uh, week, too.